All right. Well, we are uh, in part six of our series entitled I Am. We have been going through the seven I Am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John, in the Gospel of John, leading up to next Sunday, which is Easter Sunday, the final part of this message, where we will talk about when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And actually, next Sunday we are saying, he is the resurrection and the life. So, uh, so we're going to continue, we're going to finish that up next week, but right now, if I just need the whole church to help me, we have some very special guests joining us online, and that is the 12 men at the Valley of Grace Recovery Center that are joining our service there at Valley of Grace. And come on, church, can you help me welcome all of the men at Valley of Grace? Come on, tell, show them that you love them. Yeah, let this be an encouragement to you guys. We love you, and, uh, and thanks for joining us in this series. Well, today, uh, let's review a little bit. I mean, uh, they say some of the best communicators in the world, you will only remember about 4% of what they say, which is very depressing to me because I work very hard every week to bring to you these words. Uh, but, so, but things that help you remember is maybe if I can help you understand a story or help paint a picture in your mind, or if, we, if I review with you a little bit, it might jog your memory. So let's just take a look at kind of where we've been the last six weeks. We started off this series with the statement Jesus made, I am the bread of life. And then we talked about that Jesus made the statement, I am the light of the world. And if you remember, Jesus shows up at the last and greatest day of the festival of tabernacles. And there's all these significant things going on. He says, yeah, that, it's me. I'm the one, Right? And then, and then he says, I am the door. In other words, he is, he is the only way. He is the door. Like a shepherd that lays in the gate at night to protect his flock, Jesus is the door. And speaking of shepherd, Jesus also says that he is the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And last week, we talked about Jesus' statement that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father, how? Except through him. So we've said that if you are on a spiritual journey and you are looking to, to find what, who, where God is, that I think that search has to start with Christianity. And if you want to hear more about that or any of these other messages, you can always catch up online, newlife4kokomo.org. All of our messages are archived online there. But part six today, Jesus makes a very clear statement. He says, I am the true vine. I am the vine. And uh, uh, we're, we're hitting springtime right now, so we're beginning to see kind of all of our landscaping uh, around Indiana beginning to kind of come back to life, and, uh, and which means along with it, weeds and, and things of that nature. Uh, it, Jenny, she is, uh, she loves like, she loves hippie things. Uh, that's all I can, I don't know. She loves growing strawberries, and she loves growing flowers, and, uh, and so for the last, I want to say, 13 or 14 weeks, there has been these shelves in my house with these lights on them, where she has been uh, growing uh, flowers from seed, 
and these lights are on a timer, and so like every night at like, I don't know, what is it, 8 o'clock at night, these lights turn on, and every morning at 9 o'clock at night, they turn off. So we got these bright pink lights glowing in our house every day, and uh, because this one particular seed, this beautiful flower, she cannot wait to, to have, uh, it takes 11 weeks to germinate, 11 weeks. Um, and and I'm, like, I'm like, how has that seed lasted like since creation? that you have to baby it for 11 weeks for it to grow, and how has that thing lasted? Uh, because, like, I can't get the weeds in her landscaping to, like, stop growing. Um, in our, this little area where she's trying to grow, like, she wants a cut garden where she can, like, make bouquets of flowers, and she grows all these beautiful things. Uh, there's been, like, these wild onions that are growing, and they have been the death of us, these wild onions, even right now, nothing else is really growing yet, but these wild onions are popping up everywhere. Like last year, where we took them all out, like we dug them out by hand. Guess what? They're back. <laughs> I don't understand it. I, uh, but uh, I do know that Jesus gives us some truths about the, his, him being the vine that we can learn from and apply to our spiritual life. So, so this spring, when you're out in the garden or, or whatever you like to do, just maybe these words will ring true with you as well, but John 15 is where we find this statement of Jesus, and this is what it says. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And he says, and my father, the gardener, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will, uh, it will, even more, it will be even more fruitful. And so right now, this past weekend, um, I should have looked at the weather report, but this past weekend it decided to be a great weekend to go pick up sticks in the yard. And so I get the wheelbarrow out, and, and right now I've got this, this huge, huge pile of sticks in the burn pile. Uh, just don't tell the local fire department because you're not allowed to burn anything in the city limits, and I've gotten in trouble twice this last year, and I plan on burning all these sticks again. So, uh, <laughs> so cut that out of the live feed. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, so I have this huge, huge pile of sticks, and I, I've got so many more to pick up. And then, of course, this weekend, you know, we experienced tor tornado-like weather, and I'm like, I just picked up all those sticks. And, uh, and, uh, but then I was reminded of this message, that any branch that doesn't bear fruit will be gathered and, and piled up, and uh, we'll kind of read about what happens to them here in a second. But also that there are branches that, that do prove to be fruitful that, the Heavenly Father prunes to be even more fruitful. And that reminded me of how, like, when our boys were younger, we did some of the, the you know, I think you, you got to take your kids to apple orchards, apparently, in the fall. And so, so we, too, I remember we took our kids to these apple orchards, and we went on the little hay rides and things like that. And I was amazed to see these trees that are bearing, like, like big old apples, uh, like, that they looked almost scrawny. And, and, and small, and because uh, usually when you think of a tree, you think of like a full tree, but it, this just looked like very, like it wasn't very, didn't look full to me. You could see right through it, and, uh, and they explain that's because they prune the trees so all of the nutrients goes to the fruit. I'm like, that makes sense, because I read that in John 15, that, that the gardener, God the Father, he prunes us to make us more fruitful. So, but which branch does he choose to prune? He chooses to prune the branches that already prove to be fruitful. So if you want bigger fruit, you have to first be fruitful, 
and then, and then allow that process of pruning to take place, and the fruit will become plentiful. And so when he prunes us, what, is the pruning, what does that look like? Well, God, the Father, he's cutting parts of us away, unnecessary parts of our lives, to make other parts of our lives plentiful and full. And so, uh, so I, I, time and time again, I think we have to ask ourselves, God, what parts in me need to be cut off so that I can be fruitful for you? I think we all kind of go through that process every January in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're saying, okay, God, prune me. But maybe we need to do that more often, to be pruned, to be more fruitful. John 15, 4, this is what it says. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Who's the vine? Jesus says, I am the vine. Remain in me and I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Branches don't bear fruit unless they're connected to the vine. But vines don't bear fruit. Vines have branches. Branches have fruit, and fruit can multiply. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. So when we think about the work of Jesus multiplying in the world, when we think about it reaching more and more people, when we think about the church growing and making a difference, he's just the vine. We're the branches. Vines don't make fruit, branches do. So you have to remain connected to the life source of Jesus for fruit to, become, to come out of your life. This is what he says in verse five. I am the vine, Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much, much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How many of you have learned this the hard way? <laughs> Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'll do it on my own. My, my boys have had to learn this. Hey, let me help you. I can do it. When they were little and when they're 14. <laughs> I can do it. No, let me help you. I can do it. And, uh, and then there's a mess usually clean up following that. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Think of my burn pile. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words... Remain in you, whatever you uh, wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, in other words, this if you are a follower of Jesus, you is a requirement to bear fruit. The requirement to bear fruit 
is the requirement to stay connected to the vine, the life source of Jesus. You can't live nominally and, and call yourself a follower of Jesus. He says, no, because with branches that don't bear fruit, uh, we actually, we cut them off, we, they, they, they wither, and they die. Fruitfulness is fundamental to following Jesus. Fruitfulness is fundamental in following Jesus. It's not secondary. It's not, I might bear fruit. It is fundamental. When you're, and I would say that if you remain connected to the life source vine of Christ, fruitfulness will just happen. So I, I would say, don't chase having fruit. Oh, I want to I operate in the gifts of the Spirit, and I want this, and I want my, my money to be blessed, and I want to I I end up here. I want to preach a word. I, I want to I I serve, and I, I, I want these accolades. I want this. I'm, I want to write a book. I want to be a blogger. I want to be you. No, no, listen. If you chase the fruit, you won't ever grow it. But if you stay connected to the life source vine of Jesus, you'll just grow. So if you say, I just want Jesus, you will have fruit. But if you're, if you're just doing the work in the branch, remember, Jesus, apart from me, you can't do anything. So just get you some of him, and you will produce fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I'm going to give you how many things today? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm going to give you three things today. Uh, very smart. Three things today. One, the first one is this. Remain in the word. Remember Jesus, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then whatever you wish will be done for you. Remain in the word. There is just something that is supernatural about the Word of God. I can't explain it. I just know that if I've gone time without remaining in the Word, and I say, i got to get in the Word, and I get in the Word, I go, I, I just immediately just have the overwhelming sense of refreshment. I have the overwhelming sense of like, oh, I just feel like I'm connecting with God. Because the number one way that God reveals himself to us isn't in accolades, it isn't in altar calls. The number one way he chose to reveal himself to us is in his word. Remain in the word. This is what John 8, 31 says. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, you're the real thing. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of times, us, us followers of Jesus, man, people start getting in arguments about who's the real one. I'm the real follower of Jesus. No, no, you're not the real follower of Jesus because I saw what you said. You're not the real Jesus because I saw what you did. Well, you're not, you're not, you're not. And everyone's fighting about who's the real one. Who's got the real knowledge? Who's got the real thing? And this, and this is what, let's look at the vine, what he says. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you're the real thing. 
You cannot say you are a follower of Jesus and your life not be changed and look like his. Our, if you really, really encounter Jesus, your life will be transformed. It, it, it just, and so if you, he says, if you hold my teachings, then you are really my disciples. With the idea of producing fruit, in order for a tree to produce fruit, it has to have enough sunlight. Um, if you have trees that, if you notice, like if you look in a forest, it's, there's like these giant trees that, that, that just touch the skies. And then underneath of it, there's a, sometimes you'll see a smaller tree that is slowly withering and dying because it, the trees up of, above it are robbing all of the light from the ones under it. This is, this is why like uh, in a forest, you don't, you have to mow the grass. <laughs> there isn't any because there's not enough light for other foliage necessary to grow very much. And, and, and so uh, a trees, they have to have full sunlight. And so when you start going to Lowe's or Menards uh, this spring and you're looking for plants for your garden or around your house, you'll see the little tags down in the soil. And it tells you this one is partial sun or this is a shade plant. Or this one is full sun. If you don't pay attention to the tag and you put a full sun plant in a shaded area, you're going to be scratching your head going, why isn't it thriving? And sometimes we're scratching our heads going, why am I not thriving? Because you are meant for full light. You are meant to be in the full sun. But we hide in the shadows because that's where we like to sin. We go into the darkness because that's where we like to dabble. And we wonder why we aren't, we're not thriving because you're meant for full sun, the full light. It can't be in the shade. It needs to be, have, and it needs to have full sun. The word of God is our source of light. It brings life. Remaining in the word is to remain in the vine. Because it is the source of life. It's the source of life. Remain in the word. Psalm 119, 105, this is what it says. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light for my path. It's a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And so when people ask me, Devin, like, I just, I need direction for my life. I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm like, that's a question we have all asked. And I would tell you, if you remain in the vine, if you remain in the word, the word is a lamp unto your feet and a light for your path. The word of God will help you see what your next step is. It's a lamp unto your feet. It helps you know what your next step is. And then it illuminates what your next step is. But it's also a light for your path. In other words, it can give you vision for where you're going. And the vision of our church is connected to the word of God. It's where we're going. And the next steps we want people to take are rooted in the word of God. He's, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Remain in the word. Everybody say it with me. Remain in the word. The second thing is this. Remain in the body. Remain in the body. A branch that is not connected to the vine 
apart from the vine, it withers and dies. The church, your local church, Scripture calls it the body of Christ. Jesus says, I am the vine. You have to stay connected to the vine. Stay connected to your local church, the body of Christ. Before a tree produces fruit, it produces flowers. It, its buds flower. And, and before that flower can produce a fruit, it has to be pollinated by other flowers. So these flowers have to cross-pollinate in order for the, that flower to become fruit. And, and, and uh, the, uh, to remain in the body, this is what it means. You don't do it alone. Jesus, apart from me, you can do, yeah, no thing. You can't do anything. Just remain in me. Remain in his body, the body of Christ, the church. And by doing so, we kind of cross-pollinate and produce fruit. We help become fruitful when we work together. In other words, I need you. You need me. We are one body. Many functions, many forms, one body. If any part of the body hurts, guess what? We if one rejoices, guess what? We all rejoice. That means you've got to deal with your jealousness. And rejoice. That means you got to deal with your own stuff and be forgiving because we're one body. Romans 12, 5, it says this. So in Christ, though many, we form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. So remain in the word. It is the light source of life and it's necessary for producing fruit. Remain in the body because we need to pollinate to produce fruit. And the third thing I would tell you is remain in the mission. There is a reason for all of this. There's a reason for his word. There's a reason for the body of Christ. And it's called the missio dei, the mission of God. God is on a mission to what? Seek and save that which is lost. And guess how he does it? His church. Guess what his church is? It's us. We get to participate in God's greatest idea for reaching the world. We get to help be ambassadors of Christ. Part of his army. We get to be the light of the world as it reflects off of us. Remain in the mission. Remember, John 15, 10, it said, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I'm just wondering how important this idea of remaining in Christ is, because in John 15, the word remain is said 11 times. 11 times, remain, remain, remain. In other words, keep going. Don't let go. Don't quit. Don't turn back. Remain. And you need the message to remain when you don't want to. When you want to quit, when you want to give up, when you give in to doubts, 
he's saying, no, remain in me. Stay connected. Keep the long view in mind. John 15, 12, my command is this. Okay, if you keep my commands, you are really his follower. Well, what's his command? Jesus, he says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if I do what I command. His command is to love one another. If you're not convinced, five verses later in John 15, 17, Jesus says, this is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Matthew 22, Jesus is asked, hey, teacher, what's the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Okay, so if you're going to hold to, to remain in Christ, is to keep his commands. The greatest one is to have love for God. I mean, have passion for God. And you know what? I, I see New Life Church's passion when we worship. I see New Life Church's passion by the way you serve. I see our church's passion when I see your generosity. I'm like, these people are thinking crazy about God. This is awesome. That's love for God. That's remaining in the vine. That's being a true disciple. Jesus, and that's his own words. It's the greatest commandment to love God. And I'm crazy about God. You just might think I'm crazy. I'm just crazy about God. And then he says, uh, and the second is like the first one, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're going to keep his commands and truly be his disciple, he says, remain in me. I'm the vine. I'm the life source. Keep my commands and you'll, you'll stay connected with me. Then two things. Love God like crazy. Truly be passionate about God. And truly be passionate about his people. In Matthew 28, 19, we call this the Great Commission. Words of Jesus. He says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. That is a command. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what we believe at New Life Church is that a great commitment to the great commandment, love God, love people, and the great uh, uh, commission, go and make disciples of all the world. We believe that a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment will build a great church. And this is how we say it. We say, love God, love people, love sharing God with people. Love God. That's first. Passion for God. Love people. So to love people well, you're going to have to figure some stuff, out, some stuff out in here. You're going to have to learn how to be forgiving. You're going to have to learn how to deal with offenses. It means you're going to have to learn how to get along. It means you're going to have to learn how to be united. You're going to have to serve one another. It means you're going to have to be okay with diversity and your differences and just keep moving along in unity and God helps flesh it out. Love God, love people. And the third thing, it's to love sharing God with people. That is the commission that we're, we are sent to do. And I would say to fulfill the commission 
it's far easier when you're already fulfilling the commandment of loving God and loving people. The fruitfulness of loving God and loving people is sharing God with people. When you came in the service today, on every seat, we strategically put one of these where you couldn't miss it, right, where you sit. And we, we have uh, just these simple Easter invitation cards. On the back of it is a QR code for people to plan their visit to come to New Life Church. And here's my challenge to you. I know you love God. I know you love people. And let's help share God with people. I want you to pray about just that one person that you can invite to sit with you next Sunday, Easter Sunday. And, I, and my promise to you is if you invite somebody, or if you invite somebody, that what they will encounter is the gospel of Jesus. The good news will be shared when they, people come to New Life Church. That's our commitment. So this is for you to invite somebody. There's more. If you need more, there's more out in the lobby. Invite somebody because we love God. We love people. We love sharing God with people. This is not a tool to grow our church. This isn't invite someone to New Life Church. It's so much bigger than that. This is really about invite people to Jesus. Invite people to Jesus. Luke 13, it kind of gives us maybe a little bit of a different look at this passage on the vine. I like it. This is what it says. Worship to me. You guys can come up and we'll, we're going to wrap up here in a second. Then he told this parable. Jesus tells this parable. He says, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. He went and looked for fruit, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why use up the soil? This is a waste. Sir, the man replied, just leave it alone for one more year. And I'll dig around it, and I'll fertilize it, and if it bears fruit next year, if it does not, if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. And I'm like, that's an interesting parable. And I had just read John 15. And this is what I realized. He tells this parable. Go back to the first verse, if you would. He said, he said, a man had a fig tree growing in the vineyard. And God is the gardener. He went and he looked for fruit and he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years I've been looking for fruit and I haven't found any, so let's cut it down. It's wasting soil. And, and the one taking care of the fig tree says, well, hold up. Let me do a little something to it. So God in this, in, in this parable, God is is the owner of the vineyard. The one taking care of the vineyard is Jesus. He says, I've been coming for three years, no fruit. And then Jesus says, just time out. Give me one more chance. I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to fertilize it. Just, just, just wait one more year. And if it produces fruit, it's a win. If it doesn't, then we'll cut it down. This is what I want to tell you is that Jesus' message comes with a bit of patience. 
There's other parts of Scripture that tell us this too, that, that he is patient. He is waiting for people to turn to God. But pa- patience does have a limit, doesn't it? There's nothing else that Jesus has to do anymore. His work is finished. He came and he dug up around the tree. He, he's fertilized the, the, the earth and he's, he's done all that he can do. It's up to us now if we will be fruitful. And so, so, so Jesus brings, brings patience into the equation and he's just waiting for, for one more, just for one more to turn, one more to come back. But we don't have all the time in the world. I was reminded of this, how finicky time can be. Yesterday afternoon, I performed a funeral for a lady that many of you probably know. Ten days before she died, she turned 90 years old. Janet Kingry. Anybody remember Janet? I never got to meet Janet, but I got to hear a lot of her story. And I'm like, 90 years old. So much time to have memories and build a legacy. But yet when it's over, it kind of feels like it wasn't enough. Time is a funny thing. And God will be patient your entire life if he can just, if he can have you. God is never done with you until time is up. The difficulty is, is we can take advantage of his patience and say, I'm just going to wait a little while longer. But we don't know, and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed this afternoon. But what is hopeful is that God has already done everything he needed to do. He's fertilized your soil and he's just now standing and waiting. Will you produce fruit? Will you, will you stay in the light? Will you remain in the body? Will you remain in the mission? And will you produce fruit? And then rejoices when fruit is found and says, there's one more fig tree we don't cut down. And that's awesome. And that's grace. And that's mercy. But time is limited. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And this is what I want to tell you, last of all, that it is time to make a difference. It is time to turn to God. It's time to remain in the light. Remain in the body. Remain in the mission. It's time. It's time. Would you stand with me today as we close in prayer? Give me two minutes, then you can go to lunch. Two minutes. But if you're here today, I want you to know that God has been waiting ever so patiently for you. That he sent his son to do what you couldn't do. 
Jesus lived the perfect life you and I will never be able to do. But then Jesus died the death that you and I deserved so that you could have the freedom you don't deserve. He offers this free gift of a brand new chance at life. He offers a free gift to forgive all of your mistakes, all of your failures. He'll forgive them all. All you have to do is place your trust in him. You have to turn away from where you've been and turn towards God. He'll help you take care of the rest. You may not know what your next steps are, but the first one is you have to turn to God. And in the next 60 seconds, because I said it only take two minutes, I want to give you a chance to make that turn towards God today. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you're here today, just right now, you know in your heart already, I've got to get my life right with God. I need to turn back to God, and I don't want to wear on his patience. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, and I need to get it done right today. It's time to make a difference. If that's you, would you just slip up a hand so I know who I'm praying for? You're ready to get your life right with God. You're ready to turn towards him. And once you put your hand up, you can put it down. Let's pray. And you can pray a prayer. It sounds kind of like this. Just pray it in the quietness of your own heart. God, I'm done playing games. I'm done hiding. I'm coming into the light. I need you to help me with my next steps. I want to, I want to do this right. It's time to make a difference. Would you forgive me of all my mistakes and failures? Uh, and I, I, I want to turn away from all of that stuff. And I want to turn to you. I, want, I, need a, I need a new life. I need a fresh start. And I can't think of a better day than today, this start of Holy Week, to make a change like that. And if you pray to prayer authentically in your heart along those lines, all of heaven right now is throwing a party because the fig tree has a bud on it. It's alive and it's producing. So Lord, if you would just take that Easter invite card. Lord, every card represents lives, represents people that we need to invite out of darkness and into the light. Would you fill this place next Easter with people that will hear the good news of Jesus, his life, and his resurrection. We pray in Jesus' name.